Wow, praise the Lord. This morning, we will be baptizing. Yes, sir. yes. yes. And for that reason, I've paused the series on prayer. We'll come back to it later because I want to speak to you on the subject after baptism. After baptism. Now, immediately after a person is baptized, and we'll be baptizing today, but immediately after a person is baptized, what then? What does the Bible teach us? What are the instructions given to us? Now, this will be good for all of us who have already been baptized, but it'll be good for those who are about to be baptized. What is the biblical directive that we should follow immediately after baptism? If somebody walked up to you and said after the service and say, I just got baptized, what now? Would you be able to give them a biblical answer? I'm not talking about the generic, come to church, read your Bible, fellowship with other Christians. Those are wonderful things, and yes, we should do that. But what does the Bible say? Now, uh, the first thing I want to share with you is baptism is just awesome. I mean, it is off the charts awesome. It, It is amazing. Listen to this. Colossians 2, 12 and 13. For you were buried with Christ When you were baptized and with him, you were raised to new life because you trusted the mighty power of God who raised Christ from the dead. You were dead because of your sins and because your sinful nature was not yet cut away. Then God made you alive with Christ for he forgave all our sins. Now I'm telling you, that's good stuff, isn't it? That's breathtaking. That's glorious. That's beyond beautiful. Now, listen, buried with Christ, with him raised to new life, you were dead. Then God made you alive and he forgave you of all your sins. I'm just telling you, it doesn't get any better than that. Paul is driving home the point in this book of Colossians that baptism is a big deal. It is huge. And it marks the beginning of a new life, a new way of life, a new walk where everything becomes new. Uh, He continues the thought. Now we're staying in the same passage of scripture in Colossians 2.20. He says, you have died with Christ. Now, he's still talking baptism. You have died with Christ, and he has set you free from the spiritual powers of this world. You you see, when you were saved and baptized, you, you were raised with Christ. But he also set you free from the spiritual powers of this world. How many of you know there are some spiritual powers in this world that are not of God? I mean, there's some stuff out there. And, and when you got saved and baptized, you got set free from that stuff. The chains, the shackles fell. Uh, you were released by the power of the cross and the blood that was shed. The redemption that he brought into your life. You were set free. You were set free from the world so that you could walk in. So that you could live in and experience the wonders, the glory 
of Christ, of heaven. And and so what we have here is we have baptism being so amazing, but how do you get started? So somebody's going to walk out of the baptistry today. Where do they start? What do they do? What's the biblical directive? What, What are we commanded to do at that moment? The Apostle Paul answers that question. Here it is, Colossians 3, 1 through 3. Since you have been raised to new life. Now, he's still talking about salvation and baptism. Since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven. Where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. For you died to this life and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. Now friends, that's a, that's a lot to digest. But let me just tell you, that passage of scripture tells us that once you've been baptized, this is what you do. This is where you start. This is the beginning point. You set your sights, your affection, your heart, your love. You set it on heaven above. And you start thinking about heaven. Now listen up. Not the things of earth. He's saying start thinking about heaven and stop thinking about earth. Now, you and I know that we live in a real world. We have real challenges and real problems and real responsibilities. And there are things that we must do, all of us. And the Bible verifies that. There's a lot of teaching in the Bible about how we walk through this physical world. But what the Apostle Paul is saying here is you have to change your focus when you've been baptized. You no longer focus on the things of the world. Now you begin to focus on the things of God. You begin to focus on heaven. And you have to change what you think about. You can't think like you used to think. Those of you who are being baptized today, you can't keep thinking like you used to think. You have to change the way you think. Now, why would the Bible put such a heavy emphasis on thinking? That seems like a small thing. Surely there would have been some other instruction that Paul would have given, but he starts there with your thinking. Since you've been raised with Christ, now set your love and affection on heaven. Start thinking about heaven. Stop thinking about earth. That's what he says. Now, why does the Bible make such a big deal out of that? Well, maybe this will help. And by the way, I want to preface my remarks here by saying I always love it. I'm serious. I always love it. When scientific discovery catches up with the word of God. I just love that. There'll be a scientific breakthrough. And then it just lines up with the word of God. Well, what I'm about to share with you does exactly that. Dr. Caroline Leaf is a communication pathologist and a cognitive neuroscientist. In her book, Switch on Your Brain, she writes, As we think... We change the physical nature of our brain. Wait, the thoughts you have are changing things in your brain. Physically, the connections, the way your brain fires, uh, the things that are going on in your head are the result of your 
thinking. As we think, we change the physical nature of the brain. As we consciously direct our thinking, we can wire out toxic patterns of thinking and replace them with healthy thoughts. <clears throat> Excuse me. Man, isn't that... That, that lines right up with the word of God. She also went on to say, your body is not in control of your mind. Your mind is in control of your body and your mind is stronger than your body. Listen, you can think your way into sickness. You can think your way into pre- to depression. You can think your way into anxiety. And trust me, your body will follow. Thank you, brother. Yes. I see several of you. You have yours with you. We just made a toast. Whoever said mind over matter knew what they were talking about. Your mind has amazing power. And by the way, maybe this is the reason why God says in Philippians 4, 8, Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true and honest and just and pure and lovely and of good report and virtuous and praiseworthy, you can read it for yourself. These are the things we're to think about. Why would God's word tell us to think about heaven and to think about that which is good and holy and pure and clean and wonderful and of good report? Why? Because when you think about good things, it changes your brain. It turns you into a positive person. It turns you into a person who has victory and who has joy and excitement. And that's one of the reasons the Bible tells us to think like that. Why would the Bible tell us in 2 Corinthians 10, 5, listen to this. It tells us that we have the power. We have the responsibility to do this. Listen now, cast down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself above the knowledge of God and to bring into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. You you and I have no excuse. We have no excuse. According to the Bible, you can control the way you think. And the way you think will change your brain. And the way your brain works will change you. And that's the order it works in. And I got to tell you, every thought that we have should be examined. We shouldn't take thinking lightly. We should think about what? We're thinking about. And when something doesn't line up in obedience to Christ, we should get rid of it. No, I won't think about that. It's not good, pure, holy, wonderful, glorious. I'm not going to think about that. And so we bring it in, in into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Did you know that the Bible actually teaches us that the transformation process that turns us into a new person... Begins with the mind. Here it is. I need to read this one to you. Romans 12, 2. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. But let God. Here it is. Transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Oh my goodness. The whole transforming process of walking out of darkness and into the light, 
of walking out of disobedience and into walking with the Lord, the whole transformation process begins when we let God. By the way, isn't that an interesting statement? Put that back up there. Isn't that a... There we go. Don't copy the behavior and customs of the world, but let God. Isn't that interesting? Let God. You see, God won't make you think good thoughts. God won't make you think holy thoughts. God won't make you think heavenly thoughts. But if you will surrender your brain, your mind, your thinking, if you'll surrender it to God and you'll let God take over the way you think, a transformation process will begin that will turn you into a new person. And the way God will do it is by the renewing of your mind. One version says, wow. Oh, friends, nothing ever really changes in your life or my life until we change our mind. Until we bring it into proper alignment with the Lord. Joyce Meyer said, where the mind goes, the man follows. Where the mind goes, the mind follows. I I just want to challenge you this morning. Put it to the test. Just try it. Just, just test what the Bible says. By the way, did you know you don't ever have to worry about the Bible? It will always prove itself to be true. If you put the word of God to the test, it'll prove itself to be true. To think the right thoughts, to think the holy thoughts, to, to think heavenly thoughts. It will prove itself. So I just challenge you, try it. Put it to the test. Start thinking about... Forgiving somebody who does not deserve it. By the way, uh, let's get real serious just for a moment. Do you know anybody that deserves forgiveness? Because I don't. I, I hate to pop your bubble, but God forgave you and you certainly didn't deserve it. I didn't deserve it. So why don't you start thinking about forgiving somebody who does not deserve it, who could never deserve that forgiveness, but because the love of God is in you, you give it to him anyway. Start thinking about giving somebody a second chance or a third chance or fourth chance or fifth chance or sixth chance. Uh, The Lord only knows how many chances he's given you and me. Just start thinking about giving somebody another chance. How about this? Start thinking about helping the poor And the less fortunate. Think about how good it feels. How much fun it is. To be charitable. And to help somebody out. It's a good time of the year to be thinking about that. Think about how blessed you are. Don't think about what you don't have. The enemy will point out what you don't have. God will point out what you do have. Yeah. Think about. How good God is. How good he is. Listen, I deeply appreciate the things that Brother Derek said and the way this church has loved and supported me. But the fact is, if I got what I deserved, I'd be dead and in hell today and you'd be right beside me. For by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Oh, my God goodness 
Listen, start thinking about how glorious and how beautiful. Listen, this is going to change some things over the next few weeks in your life. If you listen to me, start thinking about how beautiful and about how glorious Christmas is. Wow. Behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. Oh, friends, it's the most wonderful season of the year. And if you let the enemy get into your thinking, you'll be miserable through these holidays. But if you set your mind on heaven, if you think about heavenly things, if you make that your focus, oh, this can be an amazing Christmas for you. Think about, think about your journey to heaven. By the way, we're on a journey. You know that, don't you? We're on a journey between where you are right at this moment in heaven. Think about that journey. Think about having a guardian angel. I'm pretty sure you have one. I'll be glad to talk to you about it. Think about having a guardian angel. And it did cross my mind. Your guardian angel may be sick and tired of your stinking thinking. Can you imagine being an angel and there's thousands upon thousands, 10,000 times 10,000 angels and you get assigned to the most negative person on the planet? I mean, I can't help but believe even an angel would be upset about that. Start thinking about that moment, that glorious and wonderful moment when you will gaze into the face of your Lord and Savior. Oh, can you even imagine? Think about bowing at his feet. Think about one day. I'm going to stretch you now. But think about one day being like him and looking like him. And we shall see him. And we shall be like him. Oh. My goodness. Listen, if you start thinking like that, you'll think your way right out of depression. You'll think your way right out of discouragement. You'll you'll think your way right out of self-pity. You'll think your way right out of, of the world and right in to where God wants you to live. And it begins with the thinking. Now, this is not a message on positive thinking now there are a lot of positive thinkers in the world that don't know christ they've never been saved this is not about positive thinking this is about christian thinking this is about faith this is about believing what the word of god says and 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 this is about thinking and meditating on the holy things of god by the way would you agree with me that every word written in the bible is from heaven so when you're thinking about your bible you're thinking about heavenly things Yeah. Think about heaven. When's the last time you really started thinking about heaven? (laughs) Cut the evening news off and think about heaven. I promise you, you'll feel better. I I mean, I mean, really think I'm excited about heaven. I'm excited about going to heaven. What limited knowledge I have about heaven just gets me excited. I'm I'm excited about going to heaven. I'm excited 
about being able to eat whatever I want to eat and never have to go on a diet. Really. Just give it up. You can go on the diet after the first of the year. But in heaven, that won't be the case. You say, Pastor, you think we're going to eat in heaven? Well, the Bible talks about the marriage supper of the Lamb. They're going to serve something. And I can't help but believe it's heavenly. Think about eating anything you want to eat. Wow. I like that. Think about flying. I don't know why. This is just something I thought of. I'm looking forward to flying. I'm going to fly. You, you, say, you say, Pastor, are you sure we'll be able to fly when we get to heaven? I got news for you. We're going to fly before we get to heaven. And the Lord shall descend with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. And then those of us who are alive and remain, listen, shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And I don't believe that'll be a 747 picking us up either. I think gravity will lose its power. Oh, that's going to be awesome. I, there's, a, there's a song, you may remember it. It says, I believe I can fly. I think I can touch the sky. You, you remember that song? I think about it every night and day. I spread my wings and fly away. I believe I can soar. I can see me running through that open door. Now, the guy that wrote that, I'm pretty sure he fell away and is a backslider now. But, but I still believe I can fly. I do. I do. We're, we're going we're gonna to fly. Listen, I'm looking forward to some reunions when I get to heaven. Some family members. Oh, I, 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 I'm looking forward to seeing... My old buddy, Perry Kennedy. Well, I love Perry. Wow. And I I can tell you exactly what's going to happen because he did it for so many years. When I see Perry, he's going to say, hey, big boy. (laughs) He never called me pastor. He just called me big boy. But, 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 but I'm looking forward. I'm looking forward to seeing May Roberts. What an angel in her 80s, very active, serving the Lord. She never gave up. She served all the way to the end. And I'm looking for, there's so many people who've gone on to be with the Lord. I'm looking forward to seeing them. You say, Pastor, what are you doing? Why are you sharing this with her? Well, you don't have to, but I'm thinking about heaven. I'm thinking about the glory land. I'm thinking about getting there. Oh, yeah. I decided I would do something. Now, I'm not a planner. My staff knows this. I don't make long-range plans. I'm more of a lightning strike preacher. I just wait for God to hit me with something, and then I'm off and running, sometimes ill-equipped. But I decided to make some long-range plans. Now, I don't know how this will work out, but it's I'm thinking about it, okay? But I'm thinking about having a river of life reunion about 10,000 years from now in heaven. (laughs) 
I don't know. I don't know if we'll text or email or I don't know how we get the message out in heaven. But my plans are right now, if the Lord will let me, I'm going to call a river of life reunion that everybody who's ever been a part of river of life, we're going to get together. Uh, maybe sooner than 10,000 years, but we'll, let's just say 10,000 years from now. We'll do it. You'll probably be busy those first 10,000 years. And we're going to get together. I've already worked up an order of service. I want three testimonies and a main speaker. And if they'll accept my invitation, the first testimony will be Jonah. I, I want to hear Jonah give a first-hand account of being swallowed by a big fish. Now, I did hear a guy say one time that the farther a man runs from God, the smaller he gets. And he said a sardine may have swallowed him. <laughs> but I want to hear Jonah. That's first testimony. Second testimony is I want to hear David give a firsthand account of taking down Goliath. Because I, I got to tell you, I, I mean, we read it, but boy, I want to hear David say that. And then are you ready for this? Third testimony. I want to hear. I want to hear the Apostle Peter talk about that moment on the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit came down and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they all began to speak in other tongues and thousands were saved. I want to hear Simon Peter tell that story. Those are my three testimonies. Would you like to guess who the main speaker is? The son of God, the savior of the world, the redeemer, the Messiah. Oh, I, I, I long for that time when, when our faith becomes sight. And, and, and I tell you, if I can have any influence, I'm going to ask the Lord, you'll be okay with this because time won't matter. To start at the beginning. When he made that journey from heaven. When he was placed in the body of a little virgin girl. And when he took his first breath. I want, I want to hear Jesus tell the whole story. About when he was 12 and confounded the theologians of his day. I, I want to hear him talk about people being healed and eyes being opened and legs being restored and raising the dead. I want to hear him talk about... Uh, and I think some of this could be a little humorous. I want to hear him talk about walking on the water and how scared the disciples got when he approached that boat. <laughs> You'd be scared too. I want him to tell the whole story. Right up to that point where up from the grave he arose with a mighty triumph for his foes. He arose a victor from the dark domain and he lives forever with his saints to reign. I want to hear the whole story. Oh, friends, you say, Pastor, you have lost your mind. You have gone off on a tangent this morning. No child of God. I found my mind. It's called the mind of Christ. It's called doing what the Bible tells us to do. To focus on heaven. To think about how wonderful it is. Amen. To think about heaven. To stop. L listen, child of God, you insult yourself 
when you whine and complain about the political landscape of this world? Should we pray for our president? Should we pray for congressmen and women? Should we pray for them? Should we vote? Yes, but that can't be your focus. And if what's going on on that level causes you to be depressed, you insult yourself. You're telling everybody that you don't have the mind of Christ. You're telling people that you're not focused on what the Bible tells you to focus on. Oh, I'm trying to remember. What was it I said? The least amount of words necessary to drive home the point. <laughs> Makes for good preaching. I just remembered. I was thinking about that. Just so you'll know. Here it is. C.S. Lewis said this. Aim at heaven and you'll get earth thrown in. Aim at earth and you'll get neither. Would you pray with me? Father, in Jesus' name. Oh, Lord. We love you today. Lord, I pray for these who are being baptized and all of us who have already been baptized. Oh, Lord, that there would be a reminder that we're to focus on heaven, that our love, affection, our hearts should be looking heavenward. Father, that we would begin to think more about heaven than earth, that we would remember every promise you've given us, yes and amen in Christ Jesus, our Lord. And those promises supersede anything that's going on in this world. Oh, Father, bless us. Bless us to experience that transformation into the person you want us to be. Through the renewing of our minds. Oh, Lord Jesus, bless us today. A, a, a paradigm shift, a mind shift where we're focused on you. Thank you, Lord, and bless those who are about to be baptized in Jesus' name. Amen.